Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we cover an artist, a band, so on and so forth. And this week we are talking about P.J. Harvey. Much to discover. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with... I'm Dax. Jared. Tyler. And once again, this week we are talking about P.J. Harvey and how do we feel about listening to P.J. Harvey. Real quick, is P.J. Harvey a band or is it just P.J. Harvey? It's a trio for two albums and a solo artist for the rest. Thank you. Okay. That is exactly correct. The first two albums, it is a trio. From then on, she is solely... I mean, there there's producers... There are collaborations and things, collaborations, but, she, but it's her producers. solo career from that point on. That's correct, yes. So we are covering a trio initially, but we are covering, essentially, PJ Harvey, Polly Jean. So how do we feel about it? I liked it more than I thought I would. That's good to hear. That is. Actually, uh, I liked the early stuff the best, I think. I am surprised. You said I would like the later stuff. I liked the early stuff. That is a little bit surprising, actually. Yeah. I Tyler, I figured that you would like the the early stuff and that Dax would like the later stuff. Yeah. I like all of it. You did like all of I it? like every bit of it. I listened to everything tw- twice. I listened to some things three times, and I listened to dry four times. Yeah, I listened to probably just as much as you did. I listened to a lot of this. Jer, what did you like? I thought it was pretty good, mostly. Um, I like... I did like the early stuff. Um, let me see what my favorite album I would say was probably. Let's see. I knew I had it in mind here. Hmm. Maybe Let England Shake. Really? That, that's a really good one. It is really, really good. But I'm surprised because you just said you liked the early stuff. And that was honestly like one of her latest. That's the albums. second. That's second. probably my second. That's one that stood out to me. That was like, oh man, this is. I th- yeah, that's I liked choice. the first two albums as well, mm-hmm. um, "Dry" and uh, um, "Rid of Me" were both pretty good. I found sure. interesting things in all of it. I it was interesting because I thought of a lot of different things we've listened to mm-hmm. that this would have made more sense to listen to first, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll get into that later, but uh, overall, I think I liked it. Yeah. More than I, I mean, I didn't think I'd like it at all. So obviously I liked it more than that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, uh, Tyler, I'm right there with you. I listened to all of this over and over and over and over again. It was ridiculous. I, I don't like early on in the week. I listened to dry rid of me and to bring you my love like several times over. And then by the middle of the week, I listened to is this desire and stories from the city story from the sea multiple times over and then by the end of the week i was listening to uh-huh her white chalk and let england shake over and over mm-hmm. and i still need to listen to the hope six demolition project a couple more times honestly that one was really interesting mm-hmm. it's it's an odd it's an odd last album at this point in time i imagine that pj harvey has something more in the tank because the one thing that i noticed and i'm not sure what you guys think about this is that pj harvey cannot sit still she is always changing something about her music. There is literally no album to me that sounds like the last album outside of potentially Rid of Me kind of sounding like Dry. That's true. Yeah, kind of, but it's still not the same. No, it's not. And outside of outside of that potential comparison, everything is completely different. To Bring You My Love, 
totally different from is this desire mm-hmm. totally different from stories from the city that's that's but, a conscious decision she said that she she didn't like that things sound the same right. she wants to completely change her style she changes everything about it like not just the music but like she changes her hair and her mm-hmm. the, the outfit she wears for the album covers she has like a stylist she works with right for those albums each album she changes basically everything about you know like if you look at the genre of each album like you have um chamber pop indie rock grunge uh alt i don't know if they have alt country but like all kinds of various well, blues i mean yeah, she, yeah, definitely blues. Blues. i mean if you look at to bring you my love that is a blues album at a well lot what of i life. find really weird is that and the, and it was i read it um it was a Rolling Stone writing about Rid of Me in 93. And this is with their early work, which I noticed it here just as much as the later work. Uh, they wrote that it it's charged with aggressive eroticism and rock fury, but that it careens from blues to goth to grunge, often in the space of a single song. Right. And I found that, it, I mean, the span of her music is really interesting. And I think that Dry is my favorite of her albums. Okay. But that just stood out a lot to me. A lot of the songs on there really stood out to me. But that fir- the song we played here, the opener, Oh My Lover, it actually even reminded me of like uh, of Songs Ohio, Jason Molina, mm-hmm. a little bit of a singer-songwriter that uses that broken-up guitar tone as like the basis of, for like an eerie sound. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that stuff in there, you know, and then it, it can switch to grunge and it obviously switch to some blues-based stuff. Sure. But it has a lot of melody. All of it has a lot of melody in it, too, which is... yeah supersede some of those other elements so i don't i think that because the melody is only sometimes there in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. like there are songs so like if you look at an album like to bring you my love like if you have the big single down by the water that one is just laced in melody but there's also other songs for instance like meet the monster that does not have the same kind of level of like melody to it. it it's in a lot of ways, uh, and I think that this makes sense, and it should transition into a conversation I'm sure somebody wants to have, it reminds me a lot of Nick Cave. Yeah. Because that was another artist that we talked about who was very much willing to take different sounds across the span of his discography with the Bad Seeds. Mm-hmm. She, I mean, her sound even it syncs up with Nick Cave at some point. It mm-hmm. sure does. So, Well, they had a relationship. They dated. Mm-hmm. And uh, another thing that is similar in the same thing of what you're talking about is her lyricism. Uh, you're talking about Down by the Water. Uh, there was an, an interview she did, and the quote, uh, she said, it was she was talking to Spin Magazine, and she said, some critics have taken my writing so literally to the point that they'll listen to Down by the Water and believe I have actually given birth to a child and drowned her. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it's because she completely separates the lyrics of her music from her as a person, and like just because you write this whatever song it is, whether it's happy, painful, whatever, that is not who that person that like she is writing right. at, from the perspective of somebody else. Yeah, and that's kind of the same thing with Nick Cave, where Nick Cave writes some pretty uh, depressing, depraved songs, uh, and you know that doesn't automatically mean he is that as well i i'm very glad that we covered nick cave and the bad seeds prior to covering a pj harvey because it it definitely gives you some perspective for both of those acts that you are able to kind of look at both of them because i don't know i don't know that you would make the same like i don't know if you would do the same circular thing where you'd say nick cave and the bad seeds really reminds me of a pj harvey 
Well, they both came out. They they both were around playing music at the same time. Yeah. So I don't know if I mean probably because they were together mm-hmm. um, that that influence was there. Yeah. But they probably were. They were both maybe together because of the similarities in their music as well. It probably sure. w- went hand in hand together. I agree with that for sure. Um, I also think. Yeah, no, I yeah, no, you you covered that perfectly. I don't need to say anything about that. Since we brought up uh, "Down by the Water," uh, I want to talk about that song real quick. So she, um, I think it's like two minutes in. Uh, the lyrics are like interpolated from a Lead Belly song. Uh, do you want to play both of them real quick? Sure. My lovely That originally came from uh, Salty Dog. Ah, little big, big fish swimming in the water. Come on back here, man. You give me my quarter, you salty dog. I find that really interesting because uh, he had a pretty big influence on grunge music as a whole. Really? Nirvana covered him. There's been several bands that have like used parts of his songs. Huh. Um, you wouldn't listen to it and think it. Yeah. He, he actually, other parts of music too, Johnny Cash, uh, just huge influence on music. But that in particular on grunge, I thought was really interesting. That is that is quite interesting. I would agree with you on that. So I, I don't think that I've ever asked this question before, and it may show a little bit of where I'm going with it. Did anybody have a least favorite album from PJ Harvey? Probably the newest one I'd say is my least favorite. Uh, what what was that one called? Because the rest of the, the stuff I found demolition project. The rest of the albums uh, I found at least interesting things on all. Not that I didn't find interesting things on this one, but I mean, one thing would be that it was the last thing that we listened to, and normally I'm checked out by then. Sure, I, I can recognize that. Yeah, yeah. You the other thing. Advice. Um, I mean, they are out of order. Are you talking about the newest one, or are you talking about the last one in the playlist? No, I'm talking about the newest one. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the other one I just added a woman, a woman, a man walked by. Yeah, yeah. That's the one that has John Parrish in it. That one I added a little later. It's not an essential listen from okay. PJ Harvey, but it is an interesting collaboration with somebody who's done a lot of production. The other one him. I wasn't super into was White Chalk. I didn't really find a ton in it, but okay. it was a chamber pop album. And so I'm not super into that as well. Yeah. But she did. Uh, I read a thing. I, I don't want to get too far off. Your no, no, question, please. You're good. But I did read a thing where she was talking about that album. And she was uh, said, when I listen to that record, White Chalk, I feel in a different universe, really. And I'm not sure whether it's in the past or in the future. The record confuses me. She's talking about her own record. Right. That's what I like. It doesn't feel of this time right now. But I'm not sure whether it's 100 years ago or a hundred years in the future. She's it's, yeah. talking about her, her own, own record. record. Yeah, that's funny. It, it, she, yeah, I mean, her her whole concept of that album is so, I mean, it's so beyond her because White Chalk is an album where she utilizes piano way more than she does on any of the other albums. 
and she doesn't really know how to play piano that well. Like she's mm. not classically trained as a pianist. Right. And so she just kind of went into it and she's like, I like that I'm going into this, like this album doing piano and not really knowing what I'm doing. So she was basically the shags. She was just like the shags. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just like the, yeah, no. But yeah, if you don't know uh, uh, another artist who didn't know how to play an instrument and still made an entire album. Yeah. I guess I, I could see it then. Uh, H. John Benjamin did that. Oh, yes, really? he did. Mm-hmm. He did. He made a jazz album playing piano, and he has no clue how to play. Not only does he not know how to play a piano, but he has no clue how to even. He couldn't make jazz noises with his mouth. I don't think if he no. If, yeah, if he, he has no concept to. at all. It was, it was quite the thing. Uh, what about you, Tyler? Do you have one that came to mind that was an album that yeah. just kind of didn't stand out? To well, you? White Chalk probably would be closest to it, but I don't. I don't know if it's maybe just because. It kind of seems to just like kind of fade back a little bit for me. I don't. I mean, I don't dislike any of these albums, so it's really difficult to say. You know, that I have a least favorite and have that mean anything. I'm in the same boat. That's my boat, and that's what I find surprising. I like. I I totally understand, Jared, why you wouldn't like White Chalk. I think that that's a very reasonable reason to not like that album. But across the board, I didn't have an album that I just didn't want to listen to. Yeah, they were all really good. I didn't have any issues with it. I just don't. So this just white chalk didn't quite stand out to me as much as the rest of them. Sure, but it doesn't. That doesn't mean anything, right. you know. I mean, if it stood out to me like a hundred percent, and this one stood out to me ninety eight percent, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just, uh, I don't know. They're all really good, but I also think for how much they change over time, you know. I listened to them. I just listened in order, and I went back through and listened in order, you know. And they just seem to flow really well, anyway, which is kind of odd for how different they all are. But they just kind of make sense. They still, it's not like they're, any of them seem to, seem to be out of order for me. I think that Let England Shake makes the most sense as like, like not that the Hope 6 Demolition Project is an album that's worth talking about, but I think that it makes sense near the end of her discography because it's one of the more big albums with a lot of like worldly influences and a lot of different types of instrumentation and a lot of different types of sounds. And it's almost like her getting to the point of saying, I have done basically everything so why don't i just go ahead and put everything into this album now that's a really cool album i really enjoyed that one and it and for me i'll just go ahead and say the song that stood out on that one one of the main ones was the words that make it the murder that's an interesting song for sure that's the one where she's saying the the line why don't we go to the um it was something about like going to the the united nations or something oh i remember that line I don't know if it's in this song, but I know the line you're talking about now. Yeah. It I was know. something about the United Nations. I can't remember now, but go well, on, please. I also, well, that song stood out, and then The Color of Earth stood out to me as well. And but they seem like songs that, like, that to me spoke to each other. So they kind of split the album into two different areas for me when I listened to it. And the, it's like each side of it centered around those songs for me, the way I listened to it. And it was just kind of really weird. So it's just the way the track listening worked out. And then England sits in the middle of those two, which is the third song that stood out to me, which sounds really like a lot like Joanna Newsom to me. I could see that. And her voice is very similar to the way Joanna Newsom sings in her, not in the earlier, but the like, you know, a little bit later Joanna Newsom and the, the style of it. And it's just like, I don't know that album, the track listing and, and the the songs that stood out to me, it just kind of seems like it pulls you along, you know, like you listen to it, like this is pretty good. And then something stands out and then it continues to pull you and it harkens back and like, I don't know. It's just something that that did to me. I that's probably really is probably my second favorite out of her albums. 
I just found it to be really interesting. That song, <clears throat> uh, The Words That Make Is The Murder, does have that line in it, Caleb. Okay. What If I Take My Problems to the United Nations is the last Oh, I was so close then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or of the song, I should say. Yeah. I had a couple songs that I found interesting from that album as well. Uh, I liked um, Written on the Forehead. My if favorite If you'll that play, album. The, the, play that song, but go to 45 seconds. You got it. That song stuck out to me for two reasons. Number one, because it is one of the few instances in music history where they bring up tangerines. So sweet and juicy. Mm-hmm. That's one from uh, Regina Spector. Regina Spector. The other being from The Flaming Lips, yep. Tangerines, and yep. now this. We have covered three of the main tangerine-loving <laughs> music artists Wait in the history think, of music. I think there's another one. There's another. There's a fourth artist we've covered. The second thing that I found interesting about that is that when she's saying the let it burn thing, mm-hmm. it kind of sounds a little bit, the way that she's singing it sounds like uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. The, mm. And so it's like the opposite. Instead of letting it shine, she's saying let it, let it burn. burn. That's pretty cool. Which I mean, it? I guess yeah. those are two kind of the same things, but those are the two things that I thought about with that song. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, the second line with Tangerine Trees and Marmalade Sky. Oh, that's true. Look at us. Oh we are tan- tangerine loving music Not fans. only just Tangerine, but Tangerine Trees, the specific words from that song well, by I, PJ Harvey. I wouldn't be surprised if PJ Harvey is actually like taking- Harkening in a way. Yeah, because yeah. she's making- I mean, this album is about England, and if you're mm-hmm. making an album that is musically based about England, you're going to talk about the Beatles. Speaking of Regina Spector, uh, the song Hair- off of I think it was the first album was that right yes uh that is about uh Samson the biblical yeah figure. Oh. that's a good point you have I noticed that as well as soon as I heard that I related that to Samson Regi- yeah. by Regina Spector my favorite Regina Spector song you know I song think I hair that. is my favorite PJ oh Harvey song look at that I gotta say, we're we're almost twenty five minutes into this episode, and I'm astounded you haven't brought up the loud, quiet, loud dynamic that she utilized on the first two albums. What's well, going I, on? I I was just about to get to something with the first two albums, but I think I, first I want to mention that that song you chose is interesting because Regina Spector's song is sung from the point, really looking at Samson as a, as forgiving Delilah, and in this song he's calling Delilah a liar the entire time, and he's really pissed off, and it's a complete opposite dynamic. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's, that's kind of cool. fun. Yeah. Before we get to, I, I do want to talk about the the loud, quiet, loud dynamic. All right, but let's give Jared back yeah. the spotlight so we can finish his thought about Let England Shake. Okay, so the song was the glorious land, and it's just one little bit at the very beginning that I found to be interesting. 
that too. I know. Char- I was the, like, the, what the, is happening? That's what. It's a bugle charge, I like this album because it had so much weird stuff in there. Oh, yeah. Just like thrown in. It's like a like an album that just puts weird clips in throughout the whole thing. And the songs are short and they're all just kind of like folky, weird Americana songs. That's I that's one of the reasons why I like this album so much. Like I wouldn't think that I would have liked, you know, this later career of her. Sure. Given that I could have I was listening to um indie or alternative rock in the first cup few albums. Yeah. But it took a little while. But I mean I think that this one stood out more almost than the other stuff. But Well again, I think that the versatility of her music is what makes her so interesting. Because you're listening to you know, you listen to rid of me and dry at the beginning of the week. And at the end of the week, you're listening to let England shake. And you're like, this is the same freaking person. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Like well, and even on and everything in between is also still so different. Well, like, if you listen to uh, the song joy on the album, is this desire? It's like, an industrial metal song. Yeah, it's it so strange. Like it's like this she is was nine like inch nails. Yeah, yeah, basically. That you kind know? of gets to the point that I was wanting to get into when Please. talking about the first two albums Go because for it. we we didn't we haven't we alluded to it in the beginning, but the the history of her musical career, I think, is worth noting. Um, and we, you know, you talked about putting that album, uh, a woman, a man walked by in there because it's her uh, collaboration album. With the man that she played in her first band with. Yeah. Um, you know, Automatic Delamini. And she pulled two people from there to form the trio that became PJ Harvey. Yes. And the first two albums, what's interesting, they're really good. And I think what makes them good is that there seem to be, from what I read about her role in the band, that they seem to be wholly collaborative between the three of them. Right. Which is really interesting. But you're working within the confines of a trio. And you do really cool stuff. Once she goes solo, though, she no longer is confined to what a trio can do. So she pulls different people in. And that's when things start to widen out. And I think that's like an interesting, the interesting dynamic between her and she's learning a lot in the trio. And that's part of, you know, when things went south with with that group, she mentions that, you know, she wouldn't be where she was at that point in time without those two. But she doesn't need them anymore. She needed them, and she doesn't, and people change, and this is just where it's where they they all are. Right. Well, I mean, she's better off for it in a lot of ways because, you know, again, Dry and Rid of Me are probably the albums that are the most similar out of her entire catalog. And if it was a case that Dry and Rid of Me and then the third album and then the fourth album and then the fifth album all had a lot of similarities – we might not be covering PJ Harvey today, but the fact that she left the trio and then was able to make To Bring You My Love a completely different album, Is This Desire, completely different album, Stories from the City, completely different album, so on and so forth, that's why we're covering right. her is because she was able to break through and do something very different and then do something very different and keep doing something very different constantly and be able to do it in a very, very successful way. Well, that's kind of my point is like the limit what i'm saying is like look what's interesting about her career is what she's done with the limitations that she set on herself that's what's interesting about it sure because her musical her music is limited on those first two albums to the the physical situation that she's found herself in she's in a trio with two people a person that plays bass and a person that plays drums and now you have to create music around that dynamic you know and then each album she 
each album she creates her own limitations based off of whatever the idea for this album is you know and it's about how she, it's about how she works with those and pushes against those and toes the line between what is and isn't included in the sound that you're going for here that makes things really interesting in her music did you read about the trio's debut Yes. Yeah. Go tell that story. Okay. That is a fun story. So they had a uh, what according to them is a disastrous debut, and they did it at something called Skittle Alley, which I feel like most people would love to go. But so it is, Skittle is a it's a it's game. A sport. Yeah, I know, but that's not what it is in the U.S. It's no it's favorite a candy. drugs, colorful candy and drugs. Yes, thank you. Cody. But they played Dex. in the, uh, Charmouth Village Hall in 1991. She recounted saying, we started playing and I suppose there was about 50 people there. And during the first song, we cleared the hall. There's only about two people left. And a woman came up to us, came up to the drummer, and it was only a three piece while we were playing and shouted at him. Don't you realize nobody likes you? We'll pay you. You can stop playing. We'll still pay you. <laughs> Please just no more. Isn't that funny? I when I read that, I wondered. I really was eager to know what song they played because at that mm-hmm. point it was. I think they only had one single release. Like "Dress" was one of the only album, songs that was out, or something of that nature. And I really was like, I really would love to know which song they started with to see. I because I'd like to try to recreate it in my mind, right? Of what what drove people to be like shut up please yeah imagine if they just would have stopped you know yeah, what i mean like right. literally that would have been the, the show would have been over and right. then they just would have been like well we suck Goodbye, yeah we're everybody. done yeah and then that never we never would have had this show yeah right. that's true yeah don't give up if oh. even if you suck don't give up that's right right there's a lot of difference in all in the different uh singles released from from dry as well like the beginning of her of their her career or the collective career at that point uh you know was comp it's weird the situation behind the recording of the that album is what is kind of what it is and the way the singles were released, um, and it's just kind of interesting. And I I guess I'll use that as a segue to choose. I think I'll choose my favorite song uh, from that album, even though I don't want I don't know it, it's difficult. Let me mention that it's very difficult because I've liked songs from all of these albums. Yeah, same here. Yeah, but uh, I think one that I really want to do is Sheila Nagig. Yes. So happy. That was gonna be mine. Really? Yeah. You want you want No, 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 it's yours. I'll pick something right. else. I like okay, I like episodes when uh somebody picks yours and you say, No, I'll pick another one, because that tells me you had another one in the tank yeah, ready I've to got go. More. I've got more. My childbearing hips. Look at these my ruby red ruby lips. Look at these my work strong arms and you've got to see my bottle full of charm. I lay it all at your feet. You turn around and say back to me. He said she That's like a super Nirvana chorus, actually. Oh, for sure. But when it gets into that, like, it's a post-chorus slash bridge that comes right into another chorus where she says she's going to wash that man right over here. That's like nothing that you've ever heard before, kind of. like. Well, it's, well it doesn't actually, fit Actually, it is Nirvana, something we've heard before. But, oh, no. Played right into you, huh? 
So that line, I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair, is from the song, I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair, from the musical South Pacific. Yeah. So, I mean, but I the way that, that it's utilized yeah, yeah. is musical, what has never the been The musical section is what's totally different, yeah, yeah, not yeah. the lyrical no, context of it. Uh, but yeah, another of my favorite. I don't want. I don't know. I want to say another favorite from the album. If everybody just to can mention it, but I don't want to say it in case Jared wants you. The one you're going to choose also from there? No, probably not. I really enjoyed the song before that, "Happy and Bleeding" as well, which I okay. think is really a great one. You know what a Sheila Nagig is? What What is it? It is a statue. Oh yes. Yeah, it is a uh, figurative carving of naked women displaying an exaggerated vulva. That's what it says on here. And, but there are oh. things in the song that are referencing to that. So it says, look at my child, childbearing hips, right. you exhibitionist, put money in your idle hole. Various Do you find that to be a feminist song? Probably, a lot of what probably. she does is very feminist. But I find that to be it's, pretty straightforward. I think that when I, when I did a little bit of research, I believe that they called it post-feminism. That makes a lot of sense. Mm. So they're over it. There's another lyric. We're, get, we're done. In a song by a band I like called The Impossibles from Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. That says, I'm going to wash that girl right out of my head. Where they, uh, I wonder if they're doing a homage. It just reminds me of that. I don't know. I That's just possible. wanted to mention it to you all, regardless of whether it's in this episode or not. Uh, I'm sure it will I, be. I found on that album a lot of different uh, sounds that remind me of other bands. On Dress, which was another big song on there, that really reminded me of Slater Kenny, for instance. There's a lot of Slater Kenny feel in that one. So it's like she's, it's kind of weird because that album's kind of like mimicking a lot of bands in that era not just popular but you know slater kenny was still kind of underground at that period sure if even they might probably weren't even started in 92 that's a kind of a pre or right about coming into i don't think so no yeah go ahead but it's like all these sounds and then she just made a song for each and made it her own thing to where it it may remind you of it but it has nothing to do with it yeah and it's cool yeah yeah i was gonna i set that song aside in my mind as probably gonna be my favorite when I, I mean, that was on the first album, and I was kind of mm-hmm. surprised because I don't normally have a favorite song on the first album because I'm normally I'm not really super into starting it. Yeah, um, you hate this show. <laughs> I hate this show. But usually, the thing I, that I find I'm that, really checked out at the end of the the episode, like the, the end right. of the music, and I also and I can't never, really get into it. It's like, when do you like it? <laughs> that's a good question. I don't when know. But um, what I was going to say about that is I kind of thought that I wouldn't have to pick it because I thought that Dax would do the That Sounds Familiar with the Watch That Man. So I was like, oh, I won't even, I'll pick something else because he'll bring it up. But you picked it, and so now I already knew I was going to pick something. But that's like knowing, that listening to all of it and like knowing the first, from the first record, okay, this is going to be maybe my favorite song. And then that kind of, I like having the first album have my favorite song potentially because I'm looking to compare the rest of the time. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I enjoy that. I yeah, like the comparison. Of the going soonest back. I can find one that I know I really like is the best time for me to listen to the right. music, I think. Yeah. That's true. Little that's bit a of, good, good point. A little bit of background on how I do this but, show. Well, that's kind of, I mean, that's how lot, my mind works a lot of times too, is you mm-hmm. kind of are compa- doing a bit of comparison. And that's why I think I like that album. For instance, the most out of all of them is because the dynamic, not just loud, quiet, loud, but the shift of sounds mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how something sounds outside of the volume is really, there's a lot more dynamics in terms of that uh, instead of a building. Your later work starts to get into this building, which uh, we don't have any issues with. We like building here, you and I do, Caleb. But I do really enjoy <laughs> the really kind of dramatic dynamic. just had a conversation about Godspeed, you black emperor. I know. It's, it's so, so 
but I like the um, the kind of like fast in your face, don't know when it's going to happen or what it's going to be like dynamics of the early stuff. That I think that's really fun. I okay, so we haven't even gotten to this this album a whole lot yet, but I would desperately like to talk a little bit about it. Is stories from the city, stories from the sea. And I'm not sure. I feel like if anybody did a little bit of research, because this is it's, the research guy is here, Jared. Did you look a little bit about stories from the city, stories from the sea? Not a ton. No. What do you What do you know? the The fact that she moved to write this album. I did not see that. No. Okay. So stories from the city, stories from the sea. Let me make sure that I um. I did like the horse hustle and the hustler's whore. I oh liked- yeah. I really enjoyed the when I yeah. saw that title, I was like, "That's very." I like the idea of that. I also like that she worked with Mick Harvey on this album, and that he has nothing to do. with I her. I found that to be very interesting <laughs> as well. I was trying to, and he also worked with her on "Let England Shake." Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he I think he sang lead on a few songs. She has. I mean, Rob Ellis, of course, is on. He's another person that she goes back Robert to. Robert Ellis. Yes. The same Rob, guy, not Rob, the same Rob guy. Ellis. Oh. No, Rob Ellis. Different Different not, the, not Robert Ellis. Not the piano. No, if piano only. Man? No, if only the Texas piano man. Would well, be. she also worked with Tom York. We haven't talked about that yet. That's exactly where I'm getting. So, oh, okay. Go so, ahead. Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea is an album where she was kind of thinking about uh, her. It's basically an album where she's thinking about her love for New York City. And so, what she does is, is that she goes to live there for nine months. For the sake of like listening to the like making the album, and she's in interviews, she's basically saying like this is not a New York based album, but there's a lot of very very like interesting emotion that she puts in throughout this album. You can feel a lot of like energy. There, you can feel a lot of like restlessness. There's so many different things, and um, Tom York uh, is on this album on. I think three separate tracks. He's credited on two of them on Spotify, but I know that he's also on one line and he kind of does like, it's more of just kind of what he does on the song, beautiful feeling, which is my favorite song from uh, PJ Harvey. And he does kind of just these like really ethereal vocal, like background that he kind of provides. And I want to get to that where I play it. And it's very odd to me and it speaks a lot to the quality of PJ Harvey, not just that she had a relationship with Nick Cave and the bad season has, you know, collaborated with them, but that she's collaborated with a Tom York because this is the album that came out in 2000, which means that this is when she's collaborating with Tom York is when kid a came out mm-hmm. one of their biggest albums and had just followed. Okay. Computer. So that is a huge statement of how important I think PJ Harvey is, is that a guy like Tom York at the height of his career was like, yeah, of course I would do like three songs on your album. Why not? Mm -hmm. Like you don't see a, I've, I think we've talked about this before, but you don't see a whole lot of collaboration in rock music in the same way. And PJ Harvey has a good, healthy amount of collaboration where she comes back and she collaborates with the people she did her trio with. She collaborates with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. She collaborates with Tom York. She's very engaged in a lot of ways, but it's because I think, again, like I've been going back to this, she is so versatile that she could pair with so many different people in a very easy way. So before I, I, I'd love to hear thoughts on this album in particular, but I'll go ahead and play my favorite song, Beautiful Feeling.
it's just so sad. Yeah, it's it's kind of cinematic too. Yeah, you know, it almost sounds like it could be part of a score or something in a way. I almost, I think that might be my favorite album. Really? really? I think so. I'm it's not a great sure. Album. Can, I've been flip flopping a lot. Uh, I think the second and the third I went between a couple times. That weird one at the end, I like. I think it's good too. The I hope, think for right now, that the Hope Six Demolition Project. Yeah. yeah, I think that's. I think there's some pretty interesting tracks on there as well. I will admit to you that I found a couple on there that I was like, "This is a really pretty good song right here." Daxi said that was one of your favorites, and you're like tossing around, but there's like a bunch of other ones. I would say that to bring you my love is probably my favorite, but I also feel like I'm tossing around all the time too. That's a really good one too, though. That's what I'm saying. I don't really. It's. I think. I. I think the dry will always be my favorite, but I think all of the rest of them are pretty fluid. Yeah, that's very difficult. But I. But I did find interesting stuff on the Hope Six Demolition Project. I really liked. Um, now you're going to give me a sec here. Oh, I really like Near the Memorials to Vietnam and Lincoln. That is a pretty interesting song. And there was a couple more. Dollar Dollar was kind of interesting. There's some on there. It's one of the first few tracks on there where I hear it and it just sounds incredibly familiar to me and I don't know why but something's very familiar about one of those songs hmm. well, that, I couldn't tell you without listening because I forgot to write that down not too. a real boop 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 then no no not no I don't mean familiar in that way I know you know I mean like like the, like the feeling that you know that you know this mm-hmm. even if you don't like almost nostalgic maybe like kind of nostalgic, kind of like uh, like deja vu in a way. You know yeah. what I mean? Where it's like yeah. I feel like I know this song, but it's I'm not saying it reminds me of another song. Yeah, I like understand. something you've done is very comforting and yet confusing at the same time. And you I'm know, about to have a breakdown. <laughs> you know, it's not very often. Uh, I like the majority of an artist we're doing, but I think this is one of those times. I remember groundbreaking. Uh, I remember there was well, a there was a point in time. And I, not to call anybody out, but I believe Jared was like, I don't know if this is essential. And I feel as though all parties have been have been turned in yeah. a in a PJ Harvey Probably, way. Probably, yeah. yeah. I don't I'm very I, happy about I don't that. think I I don't think I've been turned because I don't think I was directional to begin with. I that's that's fair. So the uh, the some of the artists that I wanted to talk about that I found to be similar to what we've already covered. I find a lot of similarities to Fiona Apple with PJ Harvey. Yeah, I had that like, written down. Like well. a lot. Like yeah. I feel Why like you think she, I like her so much. She's basically like the UK version of Fiona Apple. Yeah, a except, little grittier though. Yeah, but like even like so the it, even in the career stuff where mm. like Fiona Apple her first thing her first record was more of a rock album and then she went into all these different things. Same exact thing with PJ Harvey. The, right. The other band that I found to be very similar to PJ Harvey as well in the first two albums of PJ Harvey is Screaming Females. That first album, the things that she does vocally are the exact same things that the Screaming Females vocalist does. Like even like some of the the tones and like the the rough I don't know what I'm doing yet vocals that she does on the first album are very much like Screaming Females. I also think to go back to Fiona Apple, it's 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 quite interesting that there is a parallel between them because their career started very very close to each other Mm -hmm. and they both have gone like you said in a very very similar direction 
I would say PJ Harvey has diversified her sound way more than Fiona Apple. I would have to agree. But I think that but... Fiona Apple has landed on a very strong sound, has kind of consistently stuck to it, but has done different things with that sound. Because she's still been very piano-focused throughout her career, whereas... You know, PJ Harvey on the album uh, "Is This Desire," I believe, is the one that I'm thinking. Of. No, How, it's one. It's either "Is This uh, Is This Desire" or "Uh Huh Her" that she did all of the instrumentation. Instrument. Instrumentation. Oh, instrumentation. Blah. Say it again. Blah. It's either "Is This Desire" or "Uh Huh Her" that she does all the instrumentation for. Hmm. I like when she plays the saxophone. Mm-hmm. It sounds all messy. I like sex anyway. You know, you know me. I'm a sucker for Barry. Mm, absolutely. No. The Just picture of her on Wikipedia. Having sex her. with Barry. <laughs> uh, the picture of her with that saxophone. Yeah, mm-hmm. she kind of looks like uh, Billie Eilish in that picture. Oh. I like the picture. I've seen. I like the pictures of her where she's performing with Nick Cave, and they're wearing. They're both wearing suits, and their hair oh, is both put back. That's cool. And I'm just like, you're almost the same person, really. It's true. I, mm-hmm. I honestly like if, man, had it been a case that they didn't date. I would have looked back and be like, did Nick Cave and PJ Harvey date? Because they probably they should have. Yeah, or they're secret, or somehow secret distant uh, relatives and people didn't know. Oh, or, that's why they broke up. Ooh, they found they out. They found out, out the news and they're oh, like, boy. hey, we got we to gotta pull the plug here. Get TMZ on the line because they care about people like this. That was a joke. You're supposed to laugh. <laughs> Thank you. Your pity laughter fills my soul. Did you guys know, speaking of, well, we keep going back to Nick Cave, but do you guys know about Boatman's Call? Yeah, how three songs are written about her? Yeah. Yep. I find that very, very interesting, too. Like, it's a good album. It is a very good album, and it, it, it speaks to the emotion that Nick Cave had about that relationship that he had so many songs off of that album, and that's really one of his best albums. That's about their breakup, though. Right. Yeah. Into yep. my arms. Yeah, that's the big uh, song, of course. West Country Girl and Black Hair. Cave, Did you actually. read what she said about fox hunting? No. I thought you were gonna say Fox News, which is gonna be No, no. In nineteen ninety eight, she made a comment about uh fox hunting and how she had favor for it. She said uh she was not opposed to fox hunting and that seeing the hunt out on the field is just so natural to me. She caught a bunch of flack for it, but it's like she grew up on a farm. Yeah, and the thing is, is that like there are all these fashion shows in New York that have live or not live, but that'd be a wild thing to see. But like, <laughs> but like just foxes, but like running everywhere. That, like a mink thing. coat is a thing that people still wear to this day. Dude, it's, it's a like, thing that Peter throws blood on you for, though. Remember, yeah, I know that, but it's like the Jared favorite track. I think I'm gonna pick. Uh, the song Joy. crazy about that is that that is on her fourth album Mm -hmm. it is two albums removed from her rock albums so like the first album dry is very rock second album is 
pretty rock rid of me. Very rock, actually. Yeah. And then you have uh, To Bring You My Love, which isn't as rock-centric. And then you have the first basically half of um, Is This Desire, which is not really rock. And then you have that song just thrown in there and yeah. it is like an industrial metal song. It, it's jarring because it doesn't really fit. Like it's not an industrial rock album. No. It's just an industrial rock song that she incorporates into her album. Yeah. And honestly, like sometimes it will be a thing where and a thing like that throws off the flow of an album. But honestly, PJ Harvey can get away with anything at this point in time because somehow she makes it work and I don't know how. Yeah. Well, that song's just there to wake you up so you can finish the album out. That's mm. right. You know what I mean? Well, you play. She knew for Jared was going to be getting bored around that point in the discography. Yeah. She had to wake him up with a joke. It does, though. It does kind of wake you up in a, in the sense of, you know, it's I I feel like maybe you can get kind of complacent in where she's going in that album in the, in the first half. And mm. then once she throws that thing in there, you're like, I guess I better really pay attention to what's going on. Yeah, I, I saved that song because um, I knew I wanted to bring it up because I was like, this is weird. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about that I have saved is the song The Wind. If you'll play, I think it's like a minute 20-ish maybe. I can't remember exactly. There's a bit in it that I want to... I think of Fleetwood Mac, and I don't like it at all. That's what I was saying. <laughs> it's the chain, bro. Listen to the wind blow. Right? Yep. Is that a real thing or not? Yeah. Okay. It's sure. certainly reminiscent. It doesn't follow the same melody. But no, I mean, I'm not saying. It's I doubt that she even probably did it on purpose. It, I didn't notice it when I listened to the song, and you've made me notice it, and I could probably never listen to that song ever again. So thank you. You're, You're welcome. Thank you. Right. Good, good, right. good, good. Ruined one entire song for me. I tried to write as much down, because there was a lot of things that she did that I was like, Oh, this is, you know, like I with the South Pacific, that's an obvious thing. But even some other things that like were kind of interesting little lyrics and thrown in sound bites and stuff. I was like, it kept me, you know, trying to find more things. I feel like I could talk about PJ Harvey for in infinity at this point, but I think we're hitting a good like stopping point. Yeah. Does anybody have any closing thoughts I don't on think PJ we, at this point? I don't point? think we need any. I think we've all pretty taken care of it, I think. What yeah. do you guys think? The last note I have oh, Jared. is that the album Dry was cited by Kurt Cobain of Nirvana. Oh, this is at, true. Top as 10? his 16th favorite album ever in his, his diaries. Right. Uh, yeah. Journal. Journal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's he right. I, couldn't remember. I thought it was in journal. the top 10. But no, it was top he had a 20. diary. Yeah. What a weird... Like, he had a diary. That journal that you read? Why even write down 16th at that? You know what I mean? Because sure. we he was weird. I know, but I'm just saying, like, if you're going to write down... What, Maybe, I'm not going to sit down and write down my top 25. True, true, Jared. Why would he? He wouldn't do that. But you know who would write something weird like that? Courtney. Courtney. Yeah, Courtney would definitely do that. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I see what you're going here. Oh, man. Did you Co know Dry? Courtney wouldn't know Dry, I bet. Did you know Dry is the, a song on Rid of Me? Yeah, it is. Isn't that weird? It is weird. I agree. See, we had closing. We had, we had thoughts. We had more thoughts. That's right. We weren't done. That was the last thing. If I you want of. more thoughts, tell us, and we'll just talk until we die about the same thing. Well, yeah, contact us and let us know that you want to hear PJ Harvey part two. If you, yeah, if go you to can, Patreon and tell us. If you can get uh, pizzas delivered to us, 
every 12 hours when we need to eat. We'll, I'll sit here until I die and talk about PJRV. I will too. Can we play another song? We've already played every song from PJ Harvey yeah. 18 times, and it's been only a week. Look, people keep sending pizzas. We keep talking. I made that agreement. You, you three are bound by my word. I accept. I accept as well. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. This week we've been talking about PJ Harvey, and next week we're going to be talking about Rush. Check out our social media. Check out our website where we have articles now. Check out our Patreon. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.